WIOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. What the soap? WTS and Company in Prattsville for soaps and lotions made on site, locally handcrafted candles, pottery, jewelry, art, and gifts, and a hand-picked selection of books on homesteading, nature, and local history. WTS and Company in the Prattsville Plaza and online at whatthesoap.com. Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center on State Route 10 in Walton for disposal and recycling. Open 7.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center information about materials and disposal fees at 607-832-5800 or see the Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center link at WIOXradio.org. Peek-a-Moose Restaurant on State Route 28 in Big Indian with farm-to-table cuisine Thursday through Monday. Indoor dining from 4 to 9 p.m. and outdoor dining on the moonlit deck. Take out till 10. Peekamoose.com or 845-254-6500. 845-254-6500. This is WIOX. Roxbury, Delhi, Andes, Downsville, Margaretville, Arkville, Stamford, Grand Gorge, Middleburgs, Gohary, Pine Hill, Fleischmann's, Bovina, Hobart, Halkettsville, Halkett Center, Prattsville, Bloomville, and Big Indian. Listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM, NTC Cable TV Channel 20 on the campus of SUNY Delhi at 107.5 FM worldwide at WIOXradio.org and on any mobile device FM radio app. This is from the forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest related topic with Ryan and John. John, how's it going? Not bad. How are you? All right. What have you been up to? Mm, I was in the Finger Lakes this last weekend. Did a little fishing. Did a little time on a boat. It's fun. It's good. You? Uh, I went to Massachusetts, the coast there. 
It's a little cooler this time of year near the ocean. Saw some uh, three big coyotes. That's about it. Mm. Right in the cemetery. Wow. One blonde one. The other one's mixed. Pretty neat. That's different. I guess. I don't know. There aren't many deer there. You don't see blonde ones too often. No. You know, it's like, it's an island. Cape Ann, Gloucester, and Rockport. And people have, like, hedges. Yeah. Below five feet. Gardens. No fences. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. They complain more about turkeys. Just walking around. Being aggressive or whatever. Must be nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know. So... But tonight, we're going to be talking about a business owner's perspective on inflation, supply chains, and more with Bob Kanye. Bob is the owner of Ashokan Turf and Timber in Shokan, Ulster County. How's it going, Bob? Going good. What have you been up to? Uh, it's a busy season, so we're just trying to you know, stay ahead of the wave right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's, just, it's a seasonal business, and when the spike hits, it just goes crazy. And that's, that's kind of like uh, you, you do... The lawn care stuff and the forestry tool stuff? Yep. All right. How, how long have you been doing that for, Bob? Um, just about 30 years now. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, back we were younger. We had uh, full heads of hair almost. So, you know, you, this is, I think, your third or fourth sh- time on the show, right? Yeah, at least. And just for people who have never heard you before, I mean, what got you into that kind of business? Well, I was a... A sales rep um, back in the 80s, you know, call them on stores like this, you know, like ours. I just wanted to have my own. That being on the road is a lot of fun for a while. Yeah. And then it's, uh, you're, you know, the food, you start gaining weight, you're eating junk, and you, you miss your bed. Um, yeah, so, yeah, you, that wears out pretty quick. Why, uh, why Olive, Town of Olive, Shokan? Um, I, I came up here in the early 90s. Um, yeah, somebody I was with at the time, her family had a lot of property up here. And I remember the first time I came up, they had property, they got 50-some acres up on Upper Sampsonville Road. And I was like, oh, we got to get a piece of this. <laughs> so we did. Yeah. Yeah. And now you, you're, you come from New Windsor, right, in Orange County? or? Yeah. But now that I've been here, you know, longer than I was down in Orange County, I don't know, maybe I can say I'm from here now. I would, I would think so. Yeah. But you're never quite a local. It's not like New Windsor is very far away, though, either. I mean, No, it's not. It's just about an hour or less. Yeah, I used to go there quite a bit. I had a friend there on uh, over there, Beatty Road, by the uh, Stewart, Stewart Airport there. Yeah. I used to work down there, actually, for the D.C. That was something. That was like the Dukes of Hazard in there, man, chasing around the four-wheelers around Stewart. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, on the backside on Drury Lane, all that extra property where the, uh, the Crestview Lake is. Did you go there? This this is uh, Barron Road, Ridge Road, yeah. Ma- Maple, and uh, they condemned it, I guess, to make room for the airport. I, I guess I don't know. Yeah, they did a big eminent domain there. There was some uh, farms and stuff that got swallowed up in that. Definitely. So it's I, been going on for a long time, you know, since the reservoir. Yeah, in fact, some of those people are still alive because I remember one day there was a really old guy looking at one of those foundations, and. Uh, I, I had my mountain bike at the time. I was patrolling on my mountain bike. And I, you know, rode up to him. I was like, so what's going on? He's like, oh, nothing. I used to live here. I was like, he used to live here. And he was old. I mean, he was old. And I was like, yeah. I said to myself, I believe it. All right, I'm going to keep riding. I'm not going to bother this guy. <laughs> you know. But so 
Yeah, let's talk about what's going on out there. I mean, I feel like you have a unique perspective in that, you know, you get to talk to a lot of different people, and you also deal deal with equipment. It's a very long, uh, long established business that serves quite a few people in in the area. Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to get your perspective on on you know what's what's been going on since COVID, really 2020. Well, it's blown up the supply chain in a big way. We have other than the handheld stuff that's on the wall. Um, the, the showroom's empty, and uh, we're you know renting that out for weddings and stuff now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's a joke, but we could. But people come in, they have some ideas, uh, you know, what we ought to do there. You know, pool table and other stuff. They <laughs> think we should. I mean, it's, everybody's kind of joking about it, but uh, you know, from our. I don't know whether you're joking right now or not. That's how sad it is. Uh, I'm not sure. You do a bar. These spots. Yeah, are yeah, and, we, and continuing. It's just so. like I'm like I don't know. Is he? No. Well, no, we, you have to take a lighthearted look at this because you now you, you can't get anything. Most of what we ordered was canceled, and um, you know the bigger money's in the bigger equipment, and you can't get any. Most of the companies, the uh, order function. Is, is turned off. What are some examples of when you say big versus small equipment? Well, the big commercial zero-turn riders. Um, you know, you could do pretty well on them. And then, you know, the showroom, I always look at like a grocery store. you got the meat department, the dairy department, the produce department. Every department's got to throw something in. And, you know, when you're moving the big stuff, your shop is really, in my view, is, the, you know, you're supposed to support the products you sell. And if you're selling a lot of the big stuff then you have the justification to have you know a tech or additional tech in the back to support that product and you know one hand washes the other and you're making money on both ends it's a different game in my book to you know, i would never consider adding staff to work on all the junk that comes from the stores that don't work on anything yeah it's just not i'm not not there to support them not everybody gets that because they think well you know you do a job in the back and you, you build it out what's the difference. Well, the difference is you, know, you, you, you want to concentrate and, and keep your sales up and service your own stuff. Because now, we're, now you, know, you said there's nobody else around now. We're kind of the last soldier in the fort. Yeah, let's back. We, we talked about this a little bit before the show. When you got into the game of you know, servicing chainsaws, that's how I know you, and, and lawnmower once in a while. But how many other guys are doing this? 25 Plus years ago. Um, Cause now there's no one, Bob, and we're very sad that you might be not doing this anymore. <laughs> well, you know, that at some point the train's got to leave the station, but when we opened up back in the mid-90s, between Kingston and up here in you know, Arkville, Margaretville, there was eight people in the business. You know, you had John Deere uh, up here at Brookside in Margaretville, and you had Crosby's was there forever. Um, you know, we had Sheldon Hill right next to us. Um, and there was a few other you know, smaller shops, not necessarily on 28, but you know, a little bit off the road. Eisenbeel. Yeah, right. And, uh, and they're all gone. Why? And, Why do you think? Um, getting older, I think, and it's the, the contraction of the market when all the big stores. When we first opened up, you had Montgomery Wards and Sears. And... That was it. Now you got, well, you know, they're gone, but you got Depot and Lowe's and Tractor Supply and Walmart and Sam's Club. And they put out a lot of numbers. And we always concentrated more on the pro user, whether it's the saws or the mowers. And that paid off for us because, you know, we're not competing with Home Depot. I don't really care what happens at Home Depot. We're not competing with them because we're dealing with the pros. 
and that's really where you know what the uh, the business plan always was. I mean, so Home Depot, I can, can you get anything serviced there? No, none of those stores work in anything. They tell you as soon as your money's in the drawer. Now, if you have a problem, don't call us. Call the eight hundred number. Well, okay. Well, where's that phone ringing? And who's answering? And can you understand what they're saying? <laughs> so, Is that right? Yes. And then people, you know, they, so, and we can only do so much of that. You can allow that stuff in, but you can't allow the box store stuff to interfere with taking care of your good customers. Right. Do you tell a customer that? Say, yeah. When yeah. they walk in, say, hey, you bought this at Home Depot? Yeah, you try to be diplomatic. And half the people understand, and the other half just hear, well, he's not going to help me. And there's, there's nothing we can do about that. You know, we're not staying there at 10 o'clock at night and you know, going nuts on payroll when all that work dries up in the fall. And you can only carry so much you know, salary yeah. during the winter. Right, right. What, I mean, are there any other challenges besides competition with Home Depot and Lowe's and all that um, more locally? Any other challenges that have added to the cost of doing business or, or whatever? No, just the constant price rises and stuff like that. Prices go all the time. I used to try to keep everything real simple. You know, we, our inventory would always be priced. There might be a price increase once a year. Now there's, there's just random. It's, you, you have to look everything up online with the manufacturer. You can't. Everything's going nuts. But at least we're getting stuff. Yeah. On the parts side. No kidding. All right. So so what's happened in the last year year or two with, with, with COVID? I mean, at first you had stuff. You had chainsaws in your shop in 2020, I feel, no? Yeah, and we're still doing pretty good on the saws. The difference with the uh, the European handheld manufacturers is uh, they make 90% of their own parts. And, you know, they're all around the different Scandinavian countries and Lithuania and, you know, still, unfortunately, I think, uh, sources a lot of stuff from Ukraine. So they're having some challenges there. But it, that's why we can still get the handheld stuff from Sweden. Um, the same company trying to make tractors... And same thing with the X Mark Zero turns. You can't get any. You can't get anything. And, you know, we might need a half dozen parts to fix something. But they could need a thousand parts to build something. And they're relying on all kinds of vendors. And the stuff that they couldn't get to build machines, they can't get engines. Or we can't get transmissions. Can't get wiring harnesses. You can't get roll bars. Oh, we can't get tires. And all this stuff is just hitting at random. It's, it's like a pinball machine. It's bouncing all over the place. And they have no control over it, so they're rationing out the machines. Hmm. What, what do you think control? What 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 influenced that? I mean, were people just not at work, or it's a combination of that and yeah, you're, you're struggling. Well, we got to maintain a workforce here because we got to be able to build something, but we don't have any components <laughs> to build things. So Echo and their U.S. assembly plant laid off about 150 people because they ran out of components to build things. So they're struggling with that. You know, when we get the components, we got to have somebody here. It's, it's just a, it's just a big mess. Just in time, I guess, it's like falling apart. But demand's not low, right? No, it's not. In this business, demand is all about um, the weather. You know, if the conditions are there, whatever has to be done with all these machines has to be done one way or the other. Yeah. What What are you hearing from uh, from from loggers and professional arborists and stuff like that? You're right, um, the grapevine. Well, the arborists got far more work than they can do. Yeah. Because we live in a forest and, you know, 
it's not where you know, people you know, buy a farm and there's no trees and we're going to build 30 houses in this farm. Well, here it's you buy pick, everything is in the forest. And there's a lot of you know, issues with the certain trees like the ash that are falling apart. Um, there's not too many of them left down by us now. And uh, you have all the weather that we've had, the ice storm. You can see there's still stuff that isn't, it hasn't finished hitting it, falling its way to the ground yet. So these guys got all the work they can do, and they're, they just can't keep up with it. You know, the loggers, I don't know. With them, it's all about the, the timber prices, and I guess most of it is really good right now. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been hearing, but that's good to hear. Yeah. What about, like, getting chains, bar oil for all these guys? Um because demand's high for arbors, right? Doing tree work. Is that a problem? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't. The oil, the husky oil, right? We switched it to Kawasaki oil because I was doing another oil order about a month ago. I'm like, there's something wrong with these numbers. If the husky bar oil, if we sold it at MSRP, it would be twenty two ninety nine. Oh, a gallon. Usually it's 10, isn't it, that you sell? It's 15. And we, you know, actually our course went past 15. Yeah. And we would have sold like well twenty because so we found the cow oil and we were keeping it at fifteen because at this point you, you know it's going to cost as much as the syrup. <laughs> so yeah, you guys you talking about maple syrup? Yeah, right. Yeah, so um, Show maple syrup to your heart. Uh, the syrup wouldn't fly off the end of the bar. Yeah, it's sticky enough. Yeah, yeah right. trying to piss the uh, horn off there. <laughs> He's not listening. Yeah, I'll get away with that. So anyway, right. the uh, yes, right here, take some syrup. Take some of his syrup. Yeah, the, the bars, the bars and chains are tough. You know, we can work source in a lot of different places, and we got, we can't have everything you might want, but we got something to fit your, your saw. So we we'll keep everybody going that way. What's what's the hardest to get? Bars, chains, oil. Twenty-inch bars are from Oregon are non-existent. Hmm. Oregon has, uh, they have their their field reps have what they call disaster relief trailers, and they go usually down south when a tornado or hurricane hits. You know, they go to these areas and they just stay there. Now they sharpen chains for nothing, and they, they have stock to help, you know, so things don't have to get shipped in. And those guys can't even get 20-inch bars. For the Husky mount, the steel mount, and that's, you know, the primary, the two you can't get. We found them in back order since, the, you know, February. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. So we're finding other stuff. Um, here again, it might not be your favorite, but we can still get most of the Sugihara bars, which are way better than anything else out there anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty happy with, with them, mostly. Yeah. Um, skip chain, forget it. Oh, oh no. what the heck? <laughs> skip, you can't get skip chain? I got some in, in 050. You cannot get, there's just none there. Even the, the supplier up in Maine, who's the best one. We're done with 050. Can't even get a roll of it, huh? No. Wow. Oh, man. So, like, is there any, like, end in, end in sight with this? Like, what do you think? If you had a crystal ball, Bob. <laughs> well, remember last year, everybody's crystal ball said it was going to be better this year yeah i remember it's, that it's, crystal ball yeah and it's 10 times worse it's this a joke is, that's why i don't see it getting better for another couple of years jesus uh, i mean like i went to sheldon hill and i asked the guy there and he was like it's not getting any better i was like come on and he's like nope they're bare they, they have like hardly any saws there they have steel yeah i don't know yeah that's why so they're having a little tougher time um what about, like, employees? I mean, I guess, you know, you, you have one employee, but they had a hard time hiring people at Sheldon Hill. I mean, I also hear that in the local area. Um, we experienced that ourselves at the Catskill Forest Association. It was difficult to hire. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, part of it is uh, 
even if you find somebody that is willing to work, which is getting less and less these days, uh, you know, what do they know how to do? And in our industry, this is going to sound scary, but uh, the trade books that every industry has, they do a, uh, you know, the survey every unit. They have all these, you know, pie graphs and stuff. It's actually pretty good. And, you know, the change from what it was 10 years ago to now, um, if you can believe it, 64% of the dealers in my industry are over 60 years old. Wow. And like 15% are below 50. And that's really, the industry itself is aging out. And that's, there's not many people going in. You know, there's no succession plans with a lot of places like ours. And I'm not going to mention other dealers, but I know of a lot of other dealers that are looking to sell and retire because they're in the same boat that we are. So it's going to be who can take this over. And, that, and to complicate it more, you have in some areas like California basically a war on, you know, small engines. Mm-hmm. So, you know, battery stuff, it, it's not ready. I mean, it's they've got a long, long, long way to go. And to expect the power equipment industry to get there 10 years ahead of the auto industry that has all the resources in the world. It's just ridiculous. It's right. just not going to happen. So all the guys are facing that. And it's, 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 you know, it's too late for me to wrap my arms around that kind of stuff. I just don't need, I just don't need to do that. And the transition period is going to, because a lot of the stuff that's out there now is junk. What do you mean? What stuff is junk? Uh, a lot of the battery stuff. It's not ready. Yeah. Um, I mean, performance wise, I'm not going to get into the, you know, the political stuff about, you know, hey, to me, it's all just putting a carbon footprint somewhere else. And it's a bigger footprint from what I know. But Why um, do you think? Because of, of the battery? or It's the lithium stuff, yeah. Yeah. Nobody, you know, nobody really, if somebody spills gas, you know, when they're filling up their chainsaws, oh, you know, I shouldn't have done that. Well, yeah, that's right. But, you know, your battery, when your batteries are dead, you know, you, are you worried about where they're ended up? Chuck them, right? Yeah. So there's, anyway, but... The technology has to evolve quite a bit. It's not that good right now. And who really has the lead? It's not the traditional power equipment companies like like Still or Husqvarna. It's the companies that have been a long time in the electric tool business know a lot more about that than the power equipment companies. Who's that? Like uh, Milwaukee or something? Yeah, the Milwaukee, 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 Milwaukee's the best stuff. Makita's real good. And How long do these batteries last? With with commercial use though, I'm always skeptical of batteries in that way. Um, like I always feel like my Milwaukee or my Dewalt. You know what? The battery goes to crap in a year or two. If uh, I use it a lot, there's a lot of different levels of uh, battery quality. And the good ones are. I real, bought a good one, a brushless. You know the the yeah. freaking good one, man. What the heck? And they're not cheap. No, the real ones aren't cheap. Right. Is battery life, that's still really an unanswered question. Or there's a lot of different answers to it. And so it's like, what applies to you or a given individual? Who knows? Those electric saws are heavy, too, when you when you get a good battery in them. It's yeah. a lot of weight carrying in the woods. For performance-wise, you can't, can't do nearly as much with that. They're expensive. Expensive. Like, we were looking at one, the Arborist one. I feel like Husqvarna has made one. I can't remember the model number. That is okay. My friend that I work with on the weekend... He's got a commercial one, and it's nice in that it's quiet, and you go, hey, uh, there's a branch coming towards you. You might want to move, right? Yeah. But I don't know. It's like, um, oh, yeah, we priced them out, and it was like $1,000 after the two batteries and charger. Yeah. So it was like, all right, well, I'm not getting one of those because the T, whatever it is, the gasoline one is, what, 550 or somewhere in there. It's yeah. less than 600 Yep. You know what I mean? So I don't know. 
And then you have to solve the problem if you're on a you know big takedown job, and you're going to run that thing all day long. So well, we've got to charge this. You, know, you can only leave the house with so many batteries. So you got that thing going on. Um, and then you know when they, I mean, you can plug these into the you know to the service hub like you do some of the new chainsaws. But there's still a lot of well, you know the green light didn't come on, the red light came on. It, it's uh, the battery doesn't take a charge. So is it? Is it, you got to analyze the battery. Is it, is it the unit, the control box? And the parts are so expensive. It's like, give me a new one. <laughs> so, so, so here again, it's <laughs> got to be like some of these vehicles mm. where you, know, you don't want this stuff failing outside of warranty. All right, so playing devil's advocate, you just said 60% of, of uh, small engine you know, repair are, are, are older, right? Yeah. They're getting above retirement age. Yeah, this is yeah, it's ownership. And... The plain devil's advocate, some people say, well, you know, it's good timing because the electric's coming on and it's less moving parts. I mean, that's one advantage of an electric motor is that it's less moving, moving parts. So what would you say to that? Well, for the homeowners on the small stuff that doesn't really require a lot of runtime, for the person that hardly uses a piece of equipment, yeah, and when they go to use it, the, the gas looks like salad dressing because it's been in there for a couple of years. Battery is perfect for them. Because they don't put that many hours on it. Yeah, it's really good. it's really a good idea for those people that every year I can't start it. I can't start it, you know. And it, it, you gotta, you know, they're buying you know eighty dollar carburetors. For those people, it's, it's, that's really the answer for them. And that that conversion has already taken place in a big way. But you don't see your five sixty two becoming electric anytime soon. Equivalency, sixty a medium sized chainsaw, twenty inch bar, plus or minus, right? Um, no. It's, no, it's a ways out. Yeah. It's a ways out. Huh. Or even beyond. I mean, like Ryan and I felt the 36-inch diameter tree today. Bigger. The 36-inch bar didn't quite poke out the other side. So. Yeah, that's a 91cc chainsaw. You're not doing that with electric yet. Yeah, now what would an electric saw that could put out that power and pull that length chain, what would that weigh? Oh. I don't know. It could go back to having a helper handle on the other end of the bar. Like the old, oh, no. Like the 50s sauce. While we're bashing electric, um, Bill Lindloff, who teaches game of logging, you know, around New York State, he claimed that the county DPWs and stuff are complaining about electric because it cuts through chaps. They have high torque. Have you heard this? Yeah, there's a different torque curve, um, and they they don't bind up. You know, they'll go through it. Um so when this stuff starts to appear on bigger saws, uh, yeah, that, that's going to that's gonna be a concern. Huh. You yeah. have to have chaps an inch thick. Yeah, <laughs> inch thick. I already on, feel on like a, a snowman a, in a, July as it is. Yeah, on a hot day. Jesus. Yeah, speaking of Bill, we just talked to, I just talked to him two weeks ago, and he said that he put it to the test, right? He took a, a larger CC gas saw, stuck it to one... Uh, one chap leg, obviously, it wasn't on his on his body. It was on a <laughs> right. log, right? right? Put a tenderloin under or something. <laughs> bound, bound it right up and killed yeah. the saw. And then he took a small homeowner's size electric saw, put it through it, stopped it, took his finger off the trigger, and then started it back up again. And because of that, what is it like a worm worm drive kind of clutch on it? Uh, it just kept going. That is very that is extremely surprising. Extremely dangerous. Huh. Yeah, that's why they're getting rid of the electric saws, because they won't 
they, they, it's a hazard. They, a lot oh, of these. I wonder what OSHA has to say about those. Yeah, I think that's what he's saying. It was going in that direction where it's going to be like a problem at, at that level, you know. I don't know. Wow, that's new for me. Yeah. The only ones that we've really, we stopped selling the homeowner stuff. Um, that pro unit that you were talking about is actually pretty good. Some of the guys like that. Partially for what you said, the, the communication ability with the ground guys, you could talk to them. And, um, you know, the other thing is like having the saws idling in the bucket or the gas saws. Mm. And on all these new electronic controlled carburetors, that freaks them out and they start changing their fuel settings. <laughs> you know, and you go to use it, it's, it's, it won't accelerate or it's just a mess. So, um, so the battery stuff doesn't have that problem. Yeah. I got to say, though, now that I said that about the quiet electric, the safest improvement we have made at the Catskill Forest Association is using Bluetooth communication. That is like today. We didn't have it. We didn't have to. And I was sorry. I was like, this this sucks. You know, the opposite is true, too, because, like, I'm on the ground a lot, and as soon as that saw fires up, where do my eyes go? It's true. I'm looking up fast, Yeah. especially if I'm anywhere in the drop zone, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what I think Ken Palmer was saying that from Arbor Master. He says one good thing is that you do hear it. Just get people out of the way if they're not using the proper communication, right? Right. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight's topic is a business owner's perspective on inflation, supply chains, and more with Bob Kanye.
All right, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight's topic is a business owner's perspective on inflation, supply chains, and more with Bob Kanye. He is the co-owner of Ashokan Turf and Timber in Shokan, Ulster County. More than 25 years of small engine repair, chainsaws, lawnmowers, etc. Right? Yeah, Anything? About, just about 30. Yeah. So, Bob, we're talking about firewood off the air. What's going on with firewood now that we are seeing six dollars or more for fuel oil per gallon well there's there's going to be like everything else the demand's going to shift you know in our areas of fire where a lot of people that burn up here have it's not their only source of heat or you know and what happens is as as the propane or the heating oil starts to go up electric bills people swing you know the higher that those fuels go up people swing more to fire we're just going to burn more wood and like you were saying, if the oil price drops down low enough, um, they'll say, well, the heck with the wood. I'm not going to burn it at all. Mm. So that's obviously the, it's going to go stronger towards the firewood now. And, yeah, it seems like, well, we live in a forest. It's, it's everywhere. Well, there's, there's a lot of work involved. And if you can't do it yourself, you have to understand there's only so many guys selling wood. And there's only so many guys with log trucks to supply those firewood processors. And for a while, that was a real nice, convenient business plan. Yeah, I'm not going to go in the woods. I'm just going to get myself a processor, and I'll call, you know, Frank and Richie, and uh, you know, and, and and Mike, and you know, all the other guys. It's like just yeah. have them bring me wood. And that's got that's the ratio's gone way out of whack around here. There's there's really not enough guys unless they just don't want to sell timber. And when the timber prices get better, it's not good on everything, but some stuff's really high right now. Well, you know, we're not we're not going to run. $800 worth of uh, firewood on that truck when I could fill it with $3,000, $4,000 worth of saw logs. Yeah, or so, more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Why would you cut uh, firewood when you can cut saw logs? Yeah, and so. the price of diesel. Let's be going to maximize these trips. Right. So it's going to be a little bit of a squeeze. I would recommend, especially if my brother's listening to this tonight, Bill, don't wait any longer. Get, you know, get your guy <laughs> to bring your wood down there. Yeah. And uh, the... Uh, <laughs> Because it's, it's all going, I think it's, a lot of guys are at 300 now. I don't know, it's got to go up. Accord. Yeah. I don't know how they do it for less than 300 anymore, with, especially with these costs. I thought they should have been 300 before the fuel. It's just a, <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of labor, and uh, I don't know how you do it at 200. It was 200, you know, on average, it seemed not too long ago. There's a certain mentality out there where a lot of people think that you know, the cost of fire, which should never change. Because it's just just sitting, you know, out there in the woods. All you gotta do is cut it down and deliver it. But that's you know, the cost of living, and everything else. You know, it's it's it can't stay where it was. And even like even at three hundred, it's it's cheap. Well, it's like you were just talking about how a lot of people doing small engine repair are at retirement age or older. And loggers aren't as maybe old on average, but they're not kids either. And they're kind of a lot of them are aging out. It seems. It just seems like the demand in the Catskills in New York State and probably many areas, I don't leave the Catskills too much, is through the roof. And there's the same guys, or maybe less in the future, doing all this work. You know what I mean? It it just doesn't seem like there's no new businesses replacing anything. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Although I think, you know, there's a certain 
attraction for young guys to do that kind of hard work. You know, it's it's a it's a it's fading. There's not that many. But, you know, the kind of guy that you know drives a you know a pickup truck that he kind of screwed together by himself. Um, you know, they they do this stuff. They really get into the to the tree work more more of the tree work than the logging. Um, yeah, I, I was that age. I like to climb trees. <laughs> It's just, it, that's not really that bad. Logging, there's some young young guns going in and out of it. Is there? Um, in either case, you know, there's a big equipment investment that you got to do. Uh, there's more opportunities for the tree service guys because you know, tree companies is always needs a lot more people than a logger does. Yeah. You, know, lo, you know, some of the loggers that we know, you know, if you got four or five guys working for you, you're a big guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, most of the tree companies have now a couple different crews, and it's. Yeah, some of the guys actually do enjoy that stuff, so it's it's not that bad. And and as the area suburbanizes and urbanizes, there's just way more tree work, and and access for for logging is just more difficult. I mean, we were talking before the show, um, ordinances, town ordinances, it's an issue. I've unfortunately read a lot of these ordinances in the area, and they're quite boring, but they also can be quite a hassle for for loggers. Whereas tree work, there are none really. Yeah, because you have to take a tree down um, because it's going to squash your house. <laughs> yes. So you got to do it, you know. And, and yeah, so I don't know. What do you think, John? Yeah, but no, there's no uh, no options when that tree's lingering over top of it. It's not like, well, let's put it off a month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that totally. is it's whose noise, you know, bothers who. Um, it's, it's not, we have kind of an unwritten rule in my neighborhood down there. We don't really start making too much noise till. 10, 11 o'clock on a Sunday. But you know, Sundays is kind of a day that a lot of people don't want to hear anything. Well, if you don't want to hear me cutting firewood on a Sunday, maybe I don't want to hear your generator running all night long every time the power goes out. Uh, well, but yeah, So it's, everybody has their own view yeah. of what should be allowed. And, and the more you try to boil it down and get more and more details and distinctions, the more it just becomes unworkable. All right. So the demand's through the roof because there's a lot of new people coming. Um, what, what what have you noticed with changes of, of the new demographic, or how is it changing? Well, specifically as it relates to the kind of work that we're talking about, um, none of these people really know how to do anything to live in the forest. They can't do anything for themselves. Um, you know, to change you know, the, the light bulb on a porch light is, is kind of, well, I don't own a ladder. You know, and it's not because they're stupid. It's just they, they came from a world where nobody had to know these things. You didn't have a yard. You didn't own any trees. <laughs> you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't have a lawn. You know, you didn't. Yeah. Anytime something didn't work in the house, you called, you know, like, I'm, you know, called the building super. Uh, so they can't do anything for themselves. And then the people that can do those things are kind of getting squeezed out. I mean, yeah, we've all got our houses now, but somebody young looking to buy a house, it's, it's crazy right now. So there's fewer and fewer people to do the things for these people who are helpless because they can't do anything for themselves. And we've talked about that before. Like you said, you know, that there's like in my thing, there's there's no new dealers popping up, there's no new electricians, there's no new plumbers, and so the pool of people, you know, to do these things isn't getting any bigger, and the demand, the demand, the demand. Where are you going to live? Where are they going to live? You know? Yeah. yeah exactly. What's well, the joke about people say, well, you know, you're going to sell your business, who's going to buy it? Well, somebody that lives around here. Because you can't come from out of town and buy a house, you know, uh, and it's uh, you got to have a few people to, to work for you. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when I when I first worked for CFA Catskill Forest Association 07, probably till about 2012 or a little later, 
it was um, still baby boomer demographic, and we've always had people from the city moving up to the Catskills. That's been happening since the late 19th century, really. But um, that demographic, who was now in their 80s and 70s, was mostly, if I had to generalize from Long Island, New Jersey, moved up to Hunt. And here's the thing that someone else pointed out to me. People from Long Island own land, so they understand taxes, property taxes, um, just a septic, owning land, how to maybe steward it maybe in some ways. The, you're right, though, I think. This newer demographic, um, a lot of them have rented, so it's completely new. It's completely new from from the whole nine yards, I think. And that is different. And the majority of them really aren't interested in learning the things that those earlier generations, the people that migrated up here, and they say, hey, this is what you got to do to live up here. Um, and they were a little more of a blue-collar crowd, and you know, these guys had some skills. They knew what the tools were called. Um, so they, if they learned, they adapted and learned how to. You got to do something for yourself. And there's there's conversations between you know, some of the recent people that come. They don't want to learn anything. They just want to like you know, hit a button on the phone and have all their problems solved. And that's not just people from the city, but that's becoming right. uh, you know everywhere. And uh, you know, they would. Yeah, the older guys, they would, uh, previous people would come up here, they'd, they'd figure out how to do things because there wasn't enough people to do everything for them. Yeah, I mean, and you now know. Now it's worse. Yeah, you know, who we educate, right? Catskill Forest Association, um, we get, these are generalizations we're talking about, but we get the people who are curious. They want to know about their chainsaw and how to sharpen it. But, man, if I could say anyone moving up, you know, remain curious about, you know, learn from these people before they retire, like Bob over here. Well, he's going to retire. He's going to kill us. We're not. Where am I going to go? Herzogs? This one guy. Yeah. <laughs> gonna make, they're going to make me beg to, to no. uh, you know, get some parts in and something. Well, you, you know where I live. But, yeah, yeah, the, the, uh, yeah the fight, there's this one guy. Let's just use his first name, Eric. He's, he comes in, and it's like he asks a ton of questions, but he wants to learn. And uh, he's great, you know, and that's, there's a lot of people that are like that. And he was telling me about one of his friends you know, that he was getting into this same type of discussion. He's just in exasperation. He says, well, don't you want to learn how to do anything? <laughs> so, so, and that was, you know, that comment was from, he's from the city himself. So I was like, so there's hope. There's hope for a lot of them. Yeah, I, I just, like, part of the attraction to me to going to bars that were local bars was to learn from people 30, 40 years older than me. Just I was, to remain curious. You know, and I feel like, yeah, that's just not happening as much. People aren't curious about the people who've been there before and, and had these experiences. I don't know. And when it's gone, it's gone. You know, we have, we lost uh, somebody, you know, not that long up here. That um, this older guy did firewood, good friend of mine. And uh, I had, I was having breakfast, breakfast with him one morning in Margaretville up here. And um, some guy who's, I guess the town historian came in. He had a, he had a postcard. That's all he had. And uh, he goes, Ralph, when, when do you think this was, how old was, what, what are you recognizing this? And he had a story for every building in the picture. An old black and white postcard from 1906. Jeez. And he knew, like, well, that house and this, that bridge, you know, when, it, when that went, he just knew everything. Because he built, you know, he used to build houses. He built a lot of houses around here. So, you know, that, I was fascinated listening to it. I love that. I'm a history nut anyway. I really enjoyed that. But once, you know, a source like that goes, it, it's gone. Yeah. I mean, you know, Buddy Eckert used to be at, at Snyder's Tavern. It was great. I got to sit by him a lot of times and listen to him, you know. 
you know, I liked his Y2K story when he went up there because he thought the world was going to end. Yeah. But that was one of many stories, you know. Oh, that was <laughs> He something. went and lived on the mountain for, for big, an overnight. The big farce. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> what was that going to change? He just wanted to, if the world was going to end, he wanted to end up on the mountain. It was interesting to me because he, he'd be the last person it would affect, I thought, you know. So I don't know why he was so concerned, but he was. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, that was a big scare back back then. People forget about that today, but a lot of people were concerned about Y2K back then. It's a little similar to some of the, you know, the stronger reactions to the COVID nonsense right now. Yeah. I mean, it's real. I had it, and I didn't like it. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, but some people are just, like, what I consider totally over the top. People were hysterical in, in yeah. 99, I mean, right before 2000. When you're driving around in a car... With your windows up, and by yourself, and you got a mask on, an N95 mask. Um, if that makes you feel safe, then go ahead and do it. But that's a decision that's, that's totally fear. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can't. Nobody got. Nobody's going to get it doing that. Mm. I know. I don't even. You know, I don't even want to get into the. It's just. We, yeah, we should yeah. stay out of that. Man, it's, it's crazy. I, I look at. I, I, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't like the mask. But you know, people like. I look at house rules. You know, if I go to a doctor's office or any business and we'd like you to work, okay. Right. I don't have a problem because it's, it's your space and you want to make the rules, I'm okay with that. It's their so, space. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely yeah. courteous and stuff like that. Sure. I, I agree. It's their space. They can, yeah, they can do the rules. What do you think, John? We got about seven minutes left. <laughs> you don't have to comment on maths or anything. I was just going to say, I, I mean, it's a different perspective when you cut trees for a living, too. Yeah, right. Yeah. Risk is assessed maybe a little differently. Okay, well, since you brought say. that up, that's totally it. Yeah, and I think, you know, there, again, there, people aren't curious about each other's culture anymore, especially not curious about rural people. Like, yeah, if you're cutting trees every day, right, and you're doing that kind of job, you probably assess risk differently in your life, right? Or if someone who's served in military and combat situations or, or may have been possibly in that situation yeah they're, they're different they're a different culture tree work is still a very dangerous it's always going to be no matter it's electric saws or uh, gas saws or hand saws um that's dangerous especially storm damage you know Florida says that storm damage is the most because everything's under tension and bent in crazy different ways and mm-hmm. yeah you got to look at every cut and say what's what am i going to release here what's going to swing we've all had close calls we've had several out Two outfits call us recently to want to teach them about storm damage. It's a very difficult thing to teach. Well, because you can't replicate it. Yeah. I mean, I took a storm damage cleanup class, and they prepped the course with a bulldozer uprooting trees. And in the beginning of the class, the instructor said, well, this looks bad, but it's nothing compared to, you know, what Mother Nature's going to do for you. So we can only replicate so much. Yeah, the bulldozer's pushing in one direction, you know, the wind whipping around. Yeah, they tied them the, together pretty The compass good. moving, you know, <laughs> different ways. It's... Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. So, what else do you want? We got we got a few minutes left here, Bob. But um, so you don't see things getting better. Um, what about inflation? What do you think uh, is going on with that? Prices, price increases, whatnot. Uh, How's that affecting you, your yeah, business? Yeah, it is. Uh, I think the what really controls the barometer on supply stuff is it's the transportation costs. Um, and there's there's we haven't got time to get into all that because it's a lot more complicated than just you know. The, fuel to run stuff around uh, yeah, companies are doing what they can but the problem is it's like trying to fill a bathtub without stopping up the drain 
because everybody is wiped. There's nothing in the pipeline. So they've got to get to full capacity before they can really make a dent and, and filling up my shelves or anybody else's shelves. Yeah. That's really that's really because it's you know the demand is far exceeding uh, th- what they can do, and, and the demand keeps going. I mean, but most people come in know what's going on. Some people, well, there isn't anything here. I mean, they're, they're tuned out. But it's the same thing for people buying vehicles. You know, just you go on, <laughs> you go on. A lot. Well, we don't have yeah. it. You know, people ordering trucks and waiting, yeah. you know, 13, 18 months for a truck to come in, and then there's all these wires in the glove compartment. And it says, yeah, well, we're still waiting on some chips. And when they get in, we'll hook up your heated seats and your heated steering wheel and the, and the, the sunroof and stuff like that. It's just that's, that's, that's the reality right now. Yeah, I was brushing up with a, an economist before this on inflation. And inflation isn't necessarily bad sometimes, he was claiming. It's really bad when it happens all of a sudden and it's uncertain, he said. Because, we, you know, we've had inflation before, but it just seems like, there's the demands through the roof, which is probably from stimulus things, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert on inflation. They printed. Was there a lot of money printed? I don't know. But it's and then supply chains. It just seems like I thought we would have been out of this by now. I really, I really did. Yeah, we were supposed to, and, and I think the, you know, the predictions that people are getting out here. Like I said, last year was supposed to be better. This year, and now everybody's like, no, nah, it's not going to be better next year, and it's probably not going to be better for you know two to three years. Yeah, we're going to be fighting this. Hmm. So, I don't know. Um, so you're getting ready to retire is what you're saying? Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah. This time is, is really going to happen. Yeah, you know, it's, it, the train is leaving the station. And you know, if somebody wants to take over the business or buy the business, it's it's almost, you can almost have it for nothing. And people are, what, what, what? But the truth is, if you move in, pay the rent. There's no blue sky involved. If you want to buy whatever inventory, parts or something, you want to buy the fork truck, you want to buy the lifts, you can buy the lifts. And that's all it is. Because yeah, I just want a tenant in there. <laughs> I would prefer somebody that knows what they're doing and keep this business going a little bit. You won't be short on customers. We turn a lot of them away. We oh, can't man. Yeah. Um, and people that ask about buying are just curious about what the price is. If you hit them with that, it's, it's so far out of left field. They're like, what, what? Huh. But we've only talked to just one or two people have any industry experience and if you don't have because we're all going and there's 75 80 years of experience between the three of us and that's going away other than being around in a consulting role so the last thing last thing i want to ask you is with all that 80 years experience um and you're almost 30 years of owning this business what what did you enjoy the most and what did you enjoy the least you can start with the least if you want um i don't know i there's just what I enjoy the least is when you're actually trying to get stuff done and people are coming in both ends of the building and, yeah, you know, the phone's ringing. And, you know, because you have to wear all the different hats, you get stressed out. That, that's really not a fun. Um, but I enjoy, like, you know, the, the long-time customers, the friendships that you get. When they come in, you're just like, I'm not planning on doing work because I haven't seen this, this dude in a while. We're going we're gonna to catch up on stuff. So that, we've done really well there. It's been, it's been a really good business. You know, it's worked because we've worked. You know, we don't go in there and golf shirts and dockers, and you know, we we get in hands up and roll our sleeves. That's really what made it work. Well, John, are you gonna take over a small engine repair? Can you just promise yeah. me before you retire, you get me that 592 XP I ordered from? Yeah. 
because I cannot <laughs> wait after you told me how sweet it is. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, you guys are on a list. Oh, yeah. yeah when are we going to get these saws? <laughs> now that we got them out of the air. They, they, won't, ship, they won't ship them. They won't ship them without, uh, without bars and chains. Approved Why? By the le- Why won't the they? Le- the legal department will not allow them to ship a saw without a, a certified bar and chain combo. They have no CC idea what you're going to... And then send us yeah, the have, buy what we want from you. Yeah, so I, I got a bunch of 372s in that I wasn't supposed to get because, you know, you could start typing in the SKUs and it'll, it'll you know, the, the product codes and it'll say... Uh, well, you can't buy this, you can't buy that. And then for some reason, the, the powerhead skew for the 372s wasn't shut off. I said, oh, I'm going to see what happens. So we were looking like a couple of little kids waiting for Santa to come. And we're watching it, and I ordered 20 of them. And I was like, yeah, they shipped. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I, I said it right, texted the rep, I sent him a picture. And he says, don't tell anybody about it. <laughs> So I'm telling you, we're on, we're on the air here. <laughs> no, well, no, well, they're, 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 they're all it's gone. So it's, yeah. Oh, nice. They're all, all right. gone. All right, good. So, but we'll get you 592. Yeah, no, we're looking forward to that. It looks like a sweet saw, you know. But um, that's about all the time we have on From the Forest. Um, so if you're looking to uh, take over small engine repair over in Showcan, Ulster County, talk to Bob, I guess, right? Yep. Easy 300 saws a year, like clockwork. Yeah, try to when you try, can get them. Try to know how to fix something other than an electric chainsaw, right? Yeah. yeah, anybody gets involved in this now, you're not going to be able to ignore electric like us old timers are doing. Right. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. I'm from the forest, and uh, thanks for coming on again, Bob. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Oh, I had fun. Always do. Thanks. All right. Take care. Have a good night. Oh, the neon lights were flashing, and the icy wind did blow. The water seeped into his shoes and the drizzle turned to snow. His eyes were red, his hopes were dead, and the wine was running low. And the old man came home from the forest. His tears fell on the sidewalk as he stumbled in the street. And faces stopped to stare, but no one stopped to speak. For his castle was a hallway, and the bottle was his friend. And the old man stumbled in from the forest. Up a dark and dingy staircase, the old man made his way. His ragged coat around him as upon his cot he lay And he wondered how it happened that he'd ended up this way Getting lost like a fool in the forest And as he lay there sleeping, a vision did appear Upon his mantle shining the face of one so dear Who'd loved him in the springtime of a long forgotten year When the wildflowers did bloom in the forest She touched his grizzled fingers and she called him by his name And then he heard the joyful sound of children at their games In an old house on a hillside in some forgotten town Where the river runs down 
Hayır, şurası iyi. 